This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Okay, ready? What you know, and it's about a time when you get yourself in a wheel. I want to know something she's on. I think about everyone you need. I hold in it, things are rooting brown now. I have a senior warning you. Hey, it's a ratio. Okay, though. That's a ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. You're a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. There was a time when I was praying, I was meditating, and God spoke to me so clearly. It's like he spoke to me on that balcony. He spoke to me clearly and said, I want you to preach. And he said, within that moment, he said, but I also want you to stay in the entertainment business. I said, well, yo, how am I going to do that, God? And see, prayer is a conversation with God. I tell people that all the time. You don't have to feel like you just got to pray in church and just pray. Like, it's a daily conversation. You're daily connected to him through spirit. So you can talk to him daily. So I kept talking to him about this. Like, how am I going to do this? I don't know no other actor that's a preacher. I don't know anybody that can do that. And at this time, now, I had a regular job. So I was just like, how am I going to do that in between? He's like... You can do it. And I started to do it. And I would never tell anyone that it's easy, but God gives me the grace to be able to do it. Kel Mitchell grew up famous working with Keenan Thompson on Keenan and Kel and all that and Good Burger. But the thing that I found really interesting in talking to him is the brother is deeply spiritual. His Christianity means the world to him. And it had saved him at a difficult moment in his life, probably the lowest moment of his life, his faith and what he got from the church and being a youth pastor helped bring him out of his pain. Let's dig into it. This is deeper than I thought it was going to be. It's Kel Mitchell on Torre Show. You are a teen star. What first drove you to this whole industry? Uh, what drove me? Oh, man, it was it started off more like a, a hobby. You know, I grew up on the south side of Chicago uh, and my parents tried everything, you know what I mean, to uh, have a positive hobby for me. So I tried everything and acting was the one thing that really stuck, you know, because I was getting in trouble in school by, you know, being a class clown and wanting to do a show and not knowing what that outlet was. And um, there was this community theater called ETA Creative Arts Foundation on the south side of Chicago. And we had saw, I mean, you know, different plays there. 
and uh, they had a summer course. My parents was like, yo, I want you to just go to that summer course. Maybe it'd be good for you. And I did the summer course, man. And that's when I really like found uh, what I wanted to be doing. I was just like, yo, this is this is it. But I didn't look at it like now I want to be on television or anything like that. This was more of a, this is an outlet. <laughs> this is a positive outlet to be creative. You know what I when mean? You, when you got on the stage, you were like, yes, this is it. Yeah, what's funny is, is that uh, I got on stage uh, and we were putting together a production to show our parents at the end of the summer. And so it was dance, it was acting, all these different things on stage. You had to work with all these like amazing, talented teachers that we had. Um, yeah, and I remember it was one moment where we improv and we got to improv and come up with our own like story on stage and they were teaching us how to do that. And that is when the moment where I felt like, yo, I found my people, <laughs> like other people, like-minded people that uh, in this art of entertainment. Um, and I just, I was really like, yo, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Doing improv is um, what led you to say, now I'm home. Yeah, it was, it was the improv. It was the, the acting, the art of acting. Cause Runako Jahi, uh, he's an amazing acting coach. And within that, learning the art of acting was just amazing. He also uh, uh, coached uh, Jennifer Hudson for Dream Girls and all that stuff like that in the shy. And uh, he just really taught me how to really become the character, you know, because I went from doing this summer class to now I was acting in plays and doing plays in theater uh, with, you know, other adults and at night. So it was kind of like I'm putting on full out shows. And what was dope about Renaco is that he helped me understand and take it seriously because I was still, you know, class clown, things like that. And he said, hey, on opening night for this play that I was, you know, actually getting paid for to do, he was like, you're not going to open up if you keep acting silly in these rehearsals. I'm not going to let you open up and I'm going to let your understudy do it. And I'm like, yo, gra grandma coming, everybody coming, all these people coming. And, uh, and yeah, bro. And I, I kept acting up and he kept his word. And my understudy was not on the front of any of the playbills. And I, you know, <laughs> he took me out, but it taught me, it taught me a lesson. Well, the me. understudy did the opening yeah. night? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, wait, what did you do that led to that punishment? Oh man, that was so long ago. I don't. Even, I just wasn't paying attention. I, I sort okay. of remember running around the stage, doing my own thing. When he was like, "Hey, this is the blocking. Get over here," you know. Uh, and I was just that kid in the play. You know, all the adults uh, were paying attention, and uh, but that taught me a lesson at a very young age. This is a team effort. This is a job. This is work. You know, you need to take it seriously. And I'm happy he did that. I'm happy he did that and had me sit out so I could be like, all right, I'm going to take it serious. <laughs> I got to be serious. Now, when you said, you said a lot of interesting things I want to dive into. You, one of the things you talked about, that he told, showed you how to be in the character. Is that what you oh, said? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, like, like, talk about that. Cause, cause, cause I believe you. When I see you on screen, you are funny, but I'm like, I believe he is whoever he says he is, right? Man. So so you are communicating to me. So what is what is what is the art of that that you're talking about? That comes from uh, my theater background because first in theater, there's no act of, uh, you know, take two, take three. You know, right. like once, once that curtain opens up, you got to go for it. And the thing about it is, is that they see your entire body. 
You know what I mean? So, you know, in movies, you're here, there. And so, but when you're on stage, you got to really become that character. You know, how do they walk? Why do they walk that way? What things do they like to eat? Why would your character respond to that in that way? What's their background? Even if the writer didn't write this, you have to come up with, okay, what am I going to bring to this character to make it real and make it feel real to me? What's their walk? How do they do? You know, and uh, that's awesome. He showed me that a lot. And even when I got on TV, he re uh, told the other kids that when I came to visit <laughs> and it showed me that too. Cause he was just like, really like, yo, Kel, explain to them that. And I did that with all my different characters, even with sketch, like with Ed, uh, coming up with Ed, the writers wrote, uh, you know, this is a kid at, you know, a, a burger spot. And he says, welcome to good burger. He messes up stuff. Right. But <laughs> even when it just being comedy and it wasn't drama, my main thing was, was that, okay, what, what type of hair does he have? You know, and how does he how does he move? Like what little things does he do? You know what I mean? What little tick does he have? And I was like, well, maybe he does this a lot. Well, well, and his hair (laughs) kind of bobs. And then I was just like, well, how does he walk? How does he walk? And how does he talk? How does he respond? Like, I'm literally studying all of that before I even get to the first like word, because I really want to like digest this character. And I went to the makeup room and I saw these Milli Vanilli like wig (laughs) <laughs> and Brandy, I want to be down with, and I put it on, and it just it just came alive, and I was just like, "This is this is this is it." And to this day, me and my wife, we go to a restaurant, and they give us free burgers. Like, <laughs> like, like to this day, man, that's still the thing. <laughs> you, I mean, like I said, I always believe you, but you also have this. I think of it as like a funny vibe. Like, I feel like there's a funny, like electric current, like running through you that I can like see in the face. And like some people, they got to start coming with the material. Right. right. And some people just say hi in a certain way. And the audience already starts cracking up. Yeah. And you kind of have that energy of your life. I see some, there's energy in his face. There's electricity in his body. I'm already like crying for laughter as soon as I see him. Yeah. Oh man, that's just, oh man, that's just God. You know what I mean? Like it's cause it's like, um, it's joy. You know, I start certain people when they come into a room, you know what I mean? And it just gives you that, like what you were saying, where you just start laughing. Like, I feel like Mike Epps like that. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you know, yep. but he's also a very deep person and been through a lot, but then at the same time, he has this joy. This is like, wow. And so, uh, that's what I try to do. And I'll, I'll, I'll work on, um, keeping my joy and making others laugh. You know, I think uh, stand-up, I mean, now we're jumping way years later, but yeah. but 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 stand-up really helped me find that as well because you can't, like coming from the sketch world when I did stand-up, there was a thing of like I was doing sketches on stage at first. So I would come out on stage and right. I would just be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was a thing about it was with stand-up you got to have the crowd have that. You got to have that empathy. They got to understand, you know, they got to relate to one another. So it has to feel like we're in the living room, just hanging out and just having fun. And so it's relatable uh, as you're telling your stories and storytelling through your standup. And uh, going through that process uh, really helped me as well. Just like really just being yourself. And I think a lot of times uh, some people in entertainment, it's like they put on the, this is the person for this. You know what I mean? And a lot right. of times it's like once they, once the camera goes off and I'm that character, then I'm literally like, I'm me. This is who you're going to get. I'm not going to put on a, a face. I'm going to be real and transparent and be who I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So wait, jump back for a second, because you said this theater thing started because your parents were trying to make sure you were out of trouble. Were you getting in trouble on the South? You said South Side of Chicago? Yep, South Side of Chicago, man. So yeah. were you getting in trouble before you got into the theater thing? Yeah, I was. I got in trouble, but not not as bad as some the trouble that I was seeing. Do you know what I mean? Okay, sure. so I had a lot of friends that you know were in gangs and things of that nature, and gang violence. And I also had friends that were coming to church with me as well. You know what I mean? So that kept me on up and up. And friends that were doing good things. So I saw different aspects of my neighborhood and where it led to and where it could go. Um, but I definitely was a class clown. I definitely was uh, very outspoken. Uh, I love telling jokes and, and just having fun. Uh, that helped me get out of a lot of trouble too, as well, <laughs> because uh, I used to, I remember it was one, I, one thing where a bully was, you know, it was about to go down and I made him laugh. You know what I mean? It was just like, and it saved you. Yeah. Kel's funny. Kel's, Kel's hilarious. That's the little homie. The little homie's hilarious. Hey, come over, tell this joke to the homies. You know, know, do do that character, be funny, be silly, you know. Uh, But I, I, that's that's what you were known for in high school is he's the funny guy. Yeah. Oh, grammar school all the way through, like his friends now that hit me up on Instagram, be like, yo, I remember Kel used to be in the corner all the time (laughs) getting in trouble. You know, were you just making the kids laugh or were you making a teacher laugh too? No, I didn't. Uh, I did not make the teachers laugh. I know a lot of comedians have that story. I made my teachers upset. <laughs> my, te- my teachers was mad, uh, and my mom, being being a teacher, uh, oh, wow. made it even more heightened because you know she's very serious about education, very serious about that in school. My parents were very serious. My dad uh, is a retired psychologist now, and my mom, oh, wow. and my mom is a retired teacher. So that was deep because, you know, I get a spanking by my mom and then my dad would be like, how do you feel about that spanking type of thing? So, <laughs> so that really was like my how I grew up. You know what I mean? And so um, they took it serious. And so she, my mom would be like, yo, I'm at this school yelling at these kids and I come home and they tell me you got in trouble, you know? And but what I like about both of them is that they were like, we want to find an outlet. And even for me and my sisters. Yeah. They wanted to find a positive outlet. They always kept us in the stuff. I was in the kung fu. I was in the dad. That gave me a lot of discipline. And Are you the baby? I am the middle child. <laughs> of two sisters. Two sisters. Yep. Middle are you child. Like, are you the peacemaker in the house with with the comedy? Um. No, we're all hilarious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Are you like, the beast? Yeah. In in the house, my sisters, everybody, my parents. We're we're all. It's it's all jokes. But their problem was is that, okay, but you're doing that in class when you're supposed to be listening. You right, know what right, I mean? And right. that that was the issue. And it was just like, oh, okay. And and then what they did was, I remember my parents did this, which was really cool because I got introduced to like uh, Langston Hughes and a lot of great uh, poets and stories was that uh, they put on the TV in my house, uh, my parents growing up, they put the idiot box. They put a, right. a nice little sign on the TV and called it the idiot box. And oh. <laughs> sign on the TV. Yeah, on the TV. Kids, you not straight up. And so uh, they didn't want us to lot watch a lot of it. And so they felt like getting to the books. And so then they started saying, "Hey, I want you to do a book report for me." I'm like, "I'm already doing that, you know, at school." They're like, "No, do the book report. 
We'll, you know, we'll give you money just like with your chores, but you do that and you come and you perform and give us like what the book is about. Like come and oh, talk God. to us about it. So I remember these many different times, you know, reading different poets and black poets that I grew up on. Uh, and I would come up and do these like stories in front of my parents. Uh, but I really feel like that really helped me um, with my speaking and helped me with my acting when I started to actually, you know, start to act, uh, which was great and helped me um, uh, really appreciate, you know, the artists and the writers that went before me that, you know, able that to do what I'm doing today. So, uh, yeah, I do remember that. That should be great. And when I got on TV, it was funny because I was like, we need to get cable because, uh, <laughs> and my parents were like, oh yeah, I guess we better get cable so we can see you on TV. Well, wait, take me to like, <laughs> like, like, how do you decide? Let's go for this, and like, where does? Because it was all that, right? At fifteen, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Like, like, how did how did you get on to the? Like, was it a traditional audition process? Yeah. Oh wait, my my son is here. He just you know we're at the house. Oh yeah, what's up, man? How are you? You take a nap now. Okay. All right. Love you. What's going on? <laughs> How old is he? <laughs> He's two. Two years old. How many you got? Uh, oh, <laughs> look at. Hey, come on, little man. Let me uh, let me go and uh, take a nap. <laughs> yeah. He's two. Do you I have four. Old? I have four. Four kids. Four kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. How old are your kids? Yeah. I have a twenty-three-year-old. Uh, I have a twenty-year-old. And then a uh, 21-year-old. And then I have a two-year-old and five-year-old. Wow, <laughs> yeah. you're yeah. built-in babies, man. You're good. Yeah, man. My babies, man. Yeah, he was going to take a nap, so he wanted to say night-night to Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick... Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now 
They are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. All that, 15. Like, how do we get from... From I'm doing the, the the improv, I like it, to like, let's take it seriously and, and get on a TV show. Okay. Yeah, so how that started was uh, I tell people I was a model first because <laughs> uh, uh, Captain Crunch had came to like uh, our theater and they wanted some like kids, you know, to model for uh, the back of the box. And so okay. uh, I ended up getting it and I was on the back of the box <laughs> and had with my hot top fade which was super cool, super fun. And then that moment, everybody in Chicago was like, yo, that's the kid on the back of the Captain Crunch box. And so for me, I, I was just thinking like, oh yeah, that's that's it right there. <laughs> like I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is awesome. Uh, but then I started doing plays like in downtown Chicago, Goodman Theater, uh, Victory Gardens Theater. Uh, and like I said, for me, this was just an outlet. So it wasn't like, I, the thought of getting on TV wasn't even a thought. Um, and out in Chicago, there were like, commercials and infomercials around this time. You're talking about the early 90s, like 90s. And so, um, but then uh, I got noticed at this play that I did, uh, I believe it was Dirt uh, in Victory Gardens. And it was about a West Indian family coming to America, uh, coming to America, right? <laughs> it was really, but it was really dramatic, right? And uh, in that play, um, I had got like uh, critical acclaim and a lot of good stuff in the like in the trades. And so I got an agent, <laughs> you know what I mean? And when I got an agent, I started going on auditions and things like that uh, in Chicago and win some, you lose some. My parents taking me to all these auditions and stuff like that. Um, but then uh, like a couple of years later, all that came along and it was like a, you know, at this point now I'm in high school, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I got finals I got all this high school stuff I'm thinking about. You know what I mean? And I remember I went to the audition and I had finals on the brain. So <laughs> I really wasn't, I never forget a monologue. But in that moment, uh, I forgot like my monologue in front of everybody. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, whoa. And then they were like, hey, you want to go out and practice it? I was already late. I was already the last person there. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go practice uh, my monologue, come back in. I'm thinking like, oh, I, I, I messed this audition up, right? And so I knocked over some camera cords as I was walking out because we're talking about early 90s. So now that's the big VHS <laughs> video camera. But this what is I like did, a nightmare story. <laughs> dude, so what I did was I did what you're saying, which is funny. Like I tried to make it funny within the moment. So I'm fumbling with it in this physical comedy. Like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, that's why, you know, and they're like rolling, cracking up. And then I go out and I'm like, okay, I made them laugh. Are they laughing at me or with me? So then I came back in and they were like, hey, just do some impersonations. We got a feeling you can do some really good impersonations. And I was like, okay, cool. And they thought that I was going to do comedians or characters I've seen on TV. I did people that I saw riding on the L in Chicago, my uncles, you know, some of my teachers. Like I'm literally sitting there doing original 
characters for them. And they're like, yo, what is, go- what is going on? Like, I did Ed in there because me and my boys, like, we would, like, make fun of, like, the kids on Saved by the Bell. And we were like, what if they were in the hood? And so we, I did, like, well, dude, yeah. And I did all that stuff in there. I did my coach who was really, really mean. He would yell at us if it was Valentine's Day. He was like, don't nobody care about no love. And I did, literally did all of that in the room. So <laughs> I'm like, they're cracking up, falling off the couch. And then after that, I did my monologue, killed it. And then a week goes by, I don't hear nothing. And so I'm like, I'm used to this. So I'm like, oh, well, usually if you audition, you ain't heard nothing in a week, you ain't get it. And so I was like, it's all good. But then I got a phone call um, late at night. I remember it was a phone call and my mom picked up on the house phone. It was like, oh, oh, who? We going where? What's happening? LA? Oh, thank you, Jesus. And I just remember like she's saying, hey, you got a call back to go to LA. And now this is every funny kid from every city meeting up in LA. And it's like the Avengers of the funny kids. And we had to go in here (laughs) and literally battle it out on some comedy. Uh, And I ended up, you know, getting, getting the part and flying to Florida to uh, do uh, all that. Would you talk about the Avengers? Yeah. Was it all black kids or could it have, were they considering white, in other sorts of kids for the role, oh, it was it was all races. So it was, and all that was very diverse. Even when when the cast finally assembled, we were all very diverse. But you're talking about it was lines of kids from everywhere that they had looked at. Um, yeah, man, and we and it made it through, man, and uh, went to Florida to go film that show, and uh, it was awesome. It was just supposed to be a special. It wasn't supposed to be. Uh, it wasn't picked up because Nickelodeon had never done anything like this. So, the core of, of all that and the work that you do for, what, five, ten years after that is your onstage relationship with Keenan. Yes. Talk about what made Keenan and Kel in all its forms on TV, in the movies, Good Burger, whatever. Like, what made that pairing work so well that it, like, it was, you know, it, it was multiple iterations over many years and lots of fans. Like, we want to see them together again and again and again. Like, yeah. what, 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 what was it? Well, you know, me uh, being from the south side of the shy and Keenan being in, in Atlanta, we, uh, you know, we gelled in that way. We kind of understood each other, right? Um, and then there was a thing of, I remember there was a sketch they put us together with, you know, and it was called Mavis and Clavis. And that was the sketch that they put us together. And we had already been joking around like uh, behind the scenes and they saw like our friendship behind the scenes with different sketches at the beginning of this thing. But when we did Mavis and Clavis, uh, and I want to say that was like the, it might've been the pilot episode or the second episode. And we were introducing TLC and we played these two old men and we kept going back and forth. I'll finish a joke. He would start a joke. I would finish and know what he was saying. And we hadn't grown up, grown up together, but it felt like that. And we did that. And that was the moment where they started to see it. And they started putting us in every sketch together, like all these different sketches. And we would try to like make each other laugh within our sketches. And it really just took off. And that's what you really look for uh, in a cast, you know, because I've worked with a lot of different people. But what you want to look for, and when you get that cast to just gel, that's what's so awesome about it. And me and Keenan, um, it to this day, you know what I mean? It just <laughs> it just works. Yeah. So it was the there, there was a real offstage friendship, oh. Oh, a yeah. real bond, but also 
a mesh of of talents, of different abilities? I mean, is it a Stockton, Malone, Kobe, Shaq, like we complement each other sort of thing? Definitely. Like, you know, obviously I'm the real like physical guy, you know what I mean, within how they put it together. And Keenan is the straightforward guy coming up with all these wild ideas. And how that started was, see, on on all that, it was, you know, seven of us. So it was all these kids, you know, we were battling out for the characters. We're like, yo, what they write this year? Oh, this this uh, script. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. And so, but then with Keenan and Kale, they were like, hey, all right, I know y'all doing a sketch show, but as when the other kids go back home on hiatus, you all are going to stay here. We're going to give you all your own show to try out. And it's going to be like a sitcom, like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like Martin. And at this time, I loved Martin's show. I loved, you know, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, all these different shows. And so I'm like, yo, let's get it. Let's do it. So we shot that. And when we shot that, Kim Fields, because we had Michael Jamal Warner direct, Kim Fields directed. But Kim Fields introduced us to uh, Martin, uh, you know, Martin Lewis. And we didn't know anything about that. You know what I mean? We were like in comedy duos, like she introduced us to the comedy duo world. And we were like, yo. And she was like, look, you're like, you're like, and we were like, that's crazy. So it was genuinely organic that me and Keenan just naturally did this. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to be comedic duos. We hadn't even had an idea. And she was like, people have been doing this for years. Watch. And we went home and watched all these VHS tapes and was like, wow. And Are there it's other duos who stood out to you? Like, like we should be more like them or, or we feel like them? You know, uh, I really feel like Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin was like, if that's the okay. like the closest to to us, I feel. I mean, of course, Abbott and Costello, all those duos. But uh, I feel like just because the the physicality and the thing about me is that uh, I love physical comedy. That was something that I would do in Chicago. And even when my sketches on all that, the writers all knew. They got to one point where they said, and then kill does something physical because they were they didn't want to tell me what to do anymore. They were just like, we know it's gonna be funny, just go for <laughs> go for it. And I love physical comedy. I mean, watching Martin, watching Jim Carrey, Eddie Murphy, you know, watching uh John Ritter. You know, John Ritter, I used to watch Three's Company at night when I should have been asleep uh <laughs> as a kid. And uh I just love watching him and then got to work with him years later on Clifford the Big Red Dog. But uh physical comedians were the ones that really helped me hone my craft. Yeah. So wait, who are the? You said out of the physical comedians you really love, you're talking about Carrie, talking yeah. about Eddie Murphy. Who else is like your your Martin, top guy? Martin, Martin Lawrence, yeah, sure, uh, sure. Tommy Davidson, gotta go. With okay, Tommy yep. Davidson, uh, Jamie Fox with Jamie Fox. Yep. Yeah, man, uh, Marlon Wayans. You know, uh, the list goes on, and then also with me. Having that theater background, I love the entire Rat Pack. I was really into the entire Rat Pack because I sing, I dance, I do all that stuff. And so for me, it was really about uh, being a triple threat. And so I love like kind of like the old school Hollywood of how you had to know how to do all of that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, so, I mean, all right. So let's talk about it. The career is on a straight trajectory up, right? You went from being one of the guys on all that to like, no, you guys are special. We're going to have your own show. Let's make it a movie. And then you guys auditioned for SNL, right? Yeah, Take yeah. me through that process. Did you think you were going to get it? Wow. Well, you're talking about um, 
Because people put all that together. It's a long time because we look very young. So people don't get like deep. We're talking about years of stuff. So uh, like in between after the show ended, I was doing uh, Mystery Man with Ben Stiller. uh, And then I did Rocky and Bullwinkle. I was doing Clifford the Red Dog. So we were doing movies and I had kind of left all that to go do movies now. And that's what we were doing. And uh, within that process. And then I was doing Into Animation. And then there was a process where people started, couldn't see Keenan and I uh, doing different things, you know, because uh, they were like, oh, we love the duo type of thing. And so, yeah. and then, so even both of us, we were trying to figure out, okay, well, we're now a Delta, we were Delta in the public eye. So now it was this transition of, okay, I like this stuff, you like this stuff, uh, you like these type of roles, what are we going to do? Because they want the both of us together. So what are we going to try to figure out? And we tried different things to try to figure out what that was going to be. We even sat down, I think, with Jeff Flanagan, and we were going to do like the Mary Kay Nashley type of thing that they were doing where they were, Mary Kay Nashley goes to the zoo and they go, <laughs> go there. And we're like, nah, man, that ain't, that ain't us, homie. That ain't us. So we didn't, <laughs> we, we didn't do that. And so uh, then it was like, okay, we were trying to put together like other independent ideas. And then now around this time, I was living like, life at this point because I, you know, I had my, my, my kids, you know what I mean? Uh, my first two, you know what I mean? And then, uh, this was during my first marriage. And so like, people didn't know, like I was doing daddy stuff, like at the end of like (laughs) the Keenan and Kale and all that stuff like that, that was going on and trying to even figure that out being so very young. And so, uh, my main thing was that, Hey, I'm going to get into this independent world, start writing my own things and things of that nature. And then SNL came along, uh, which was just an audition. And I didn't even know Keenan was going to be there. So it's funny, like when people hear the stories, they are always like, Keenan and Kel auditioned at the same time. And like, we were like neck and neck. <laughs> no, I didn't even know he was going to be there. And we hadn't uh, been talking that much because we were living both different, you know, two different worlds at this point. And um, uh, I remember I went to New York to fly to audition. And uh, I went and did it. And it was funny because the audition was just, it was, it was left. Like it was a horrible audition. And it was like, I was, it was funny now thinking about it. Uh, Cause I did DMX uh, if he was in Toy Story. <laughs> and I did that on stage. Wait, and, wait, wait, what, what, would, wait, what would that sound like? <laughs> oh, I don't even remember. <laughs> remember it was like infinity and beyond or something it was crazy it was crazy and i was like and it was like it was bananas and i'm on stage and i'm physical and then i did a joke about michael jackson because at the time michael jackson had just did the big interview where he had everybody come to his house and he was in the tree and talking about pinocchio and all this stuff and uh you know all that stuff and so uh i had did what if michael jackson did us it was allergic to trees and (laughs) And that's how he came up with the art. And it was hilarious, right? And so, but what was crazy about it, this is also back when I used to, uh, I used to drink, right? So I used to drink. So you don't do that doing stand-up. So I don't go up to like late and I'm drinking, I'm doing this joke. We get up there and I do all this physical comedy. And I remember I was doing Michael Jackson and I uh, hit one of the tables in the front and the lady kind of like fell off the table, like fell off the table and uh, her drinks fell off the table and everybody's laughing like they're digging it. But the comedy was just it was too physical and I really didn't prepare for any of this. Right. And I'm thinking it's because you're a little drunk because you because you were drunk. 
<laughs> yeah, everybody. Yeah, everybody was back there, like everybody before going up there. And what was crazy was was that it was because you're thinking sketch, so you're thinking like SNL, you're thinking sketch comedy. So I went up there thinking sketch comedy, and they were looking for stand up, and you had to do like a set, set, set. And at this time, I hadn't been doing stand up yet, and so uh, yeah, and it was D Ray, me, D Ray Davis, JB Smooth. Uh, it was a bunch of comedians, like just a bunch of people that were up there. And uh, yeah, flew back, not thinking anything about it, flew back home, uh, and then Keenan ended up getting a part, and I was happy for him. But it was like, at that point, people kind of like put us against each other, <laughs> thinking that I was upset about well, it. Well, yeah. so I think people, I think some people may have thought that to that point, you guys were still this attached unit and had auditioned together, and they chose him and not you. And you're like, no, we had really like friends, but like professionally, we're doing different things, came to this opportunity separately. He got it. I didn't. Life goes on. It wasn't like, oh, I'm so heartbroken. You took my partner and not me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I was, uh, Keenan and I talk about this recently. It's like, it's almost like New Edition and, you know, how people grew up with New Edition. Like when you think about it, you grew up with New Edition and everybody has their opinions on, Bobby, their opinions on Ricky, like when they all broke up and all this stuff, yeah. who you running with? You running with Johnny, you rolling with Bobby, who you rolling with Ralph? And it was almost like that. And when we look at it like, yo, people grew up with us and they grew up with us and they feel like they've given their own like analysis. Like even, even one uh, blog or whatever, they did a whole thing on like, why Keenan and Kill broke up? Doom, 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 doom. And it's like, and it's, it's not the story at all. And we're sitting there like, this is, what are y'all doing? But I get it. Like, it's, we hold a place in people's hearts and they kind of grew up with it. So, <laughs> yeah. So, wait, who is your favorite in New Edition? <laughs> My favorite. Now, if you, it's two. Now, it's, it's, it's Bobby and Ralph. And Ralph Tresman. Okay. Yeah, okay. and, yep. and, and which, is, which is cool because they did songs together too as well, uh, which is dope. Like a Stone Cold Gentleman, they did a song together. You know what I mean? But I was always a always a Bobby fan, man. <laughs> Bobby was the man. Bobby was the man. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> what does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamine a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is mostly secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America 
From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So at what point, because I know you said you were going to church as a, as a kid, so yeah, that was always part of your life. But yeah. at what point uh, does it start to become like more serious? You know, some people go to church as kids and then they kind of, yeah, I'm still a Christian, but I'm not going, like you got more, more deep in, you're a pastor, right? Yeah, I mean, you're a pastor. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Like, you know, you, you're all, all in. So when did, when did oh, your man. life start to go, I'm going to go deeper into the church? Bro, like, because I went through like a lot of ups and downs in my life, a lot of different things that I saw, even in like Chicago, uh, you know, my, my uncle was murdered, you know what I mean? Uh, at a very, when I was a very young age and he was murdered, uh, right when I got like on all that. And I remember he was like, yo, I could be a bodyguard for you. And I'm like, yo, we not like Michael Jackson. This is at the beginning. So I'm like thinking like, I don't need all that. Ain't nobody coming after me. Like, it's like little kids running after me, you know? And so, uh, and so in my mind, I'm thinking like, cause we're not there yet. And then literally that summer he was murdered. And so I talked to my dad about it recently and he didn't know that I harbored that for years, bro. Cause I felt like, you know, oh, if he was with me, then that wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? Wow. And so wow. uh, you never know what someone might be going through as they're, you know, they're dealing with that. And around that time, I was dealing with a lot of different death. Like there was uh, positivity and joy as well. But then my friend was murdered too as well. Uh, and that was really deep for me too, as I was, you know, in LA and he got murdered. And this is a friend that, you know, saved my life when I was a kid growing up in Chicago. Uh, where it was some kids that were going to do a drive-by and I was there hanging with them, didn't know. Because they grew up, you know, they were on my side of the neighborhood. They had just did something I didn't know. And so I was like, yo, what's up? And they were about to do this drive-by and he's in the car and he's like, yo, no, 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 no. That kid goes to my church. That kid right there goes to my church. And they didn't do it. But then the next day, you know, uh, we were in Boy Scouts at our church too. Next day, he told me, he said, yo, don't hang with them no more, man. Don't don't hang with them no more. And he told me why. And I was like, yo, that could have went way left. You know what I mean? And so, uh, and we were always still staying, you know, friends. Like, we went to church together. Uh, but he just never would give that life up. You know, we all would, me and the homies would always talk to him, but he wouldn't, you know, get that life up. And um, and then he was murdered as I was going, hey, welcome to Good Burger, home to Good Burger. Can I take you out? You know what I'm saying? So, like, all these things were going on. And that's for me, it was like really, you know, uh, it was a hard time, you know, and, and getting that and then also getting to understand like, because, you know, in, in this industry is like the show must go on. So it's like, you know, as I was going through things, too, it was also like, oh, but you still need to perform and go do what you have to do to put the show on and uh, kind of compartmentalize what was going on and I was dealing with. And then uh, I went through. Uh, a toxic relationship that was very toxic, you know. Uh, and the thing about it is, is that you, you know, the thing about it is that you know who God is because I grew up in the church. But then there's a knowing and then there's a having a relationship with God where you make him part of everything in your life. And when I wasn't doing that, it was like the type of circle that I had around me and the people that were in my life would probably not have been in my life anyway, or the choices that I made that I was doing uh, when I was adulting within, 
you know, uh, through Nickelodeon, then it would be like, oh, okay, I probably wouldn't hang with that person if I was living a righteous lifestyle of how I would choose, you know. But um, I look at it like I'm thankful that I went through all of those things, you know what I mean? And and even with that relationship, I remember I was, that's when SNL happened. So I remember I told you I was drinking. So I was using that to get through this this toxic relationship. And so it was kind of like, ah, and then I get back out there, get back home. And it's like, oh, no, I didn't get it. You know what I mean? I ain't either. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, because you're living now, you're like, hey, I got kids. I got to get this, you know, I get these roles. And uh, but within that process, I did create uh, my own like uh, independent stuff. So I was doing that. I was, you know, creating my own independent things. And I started, that was around a time where DVDs were really popping, you know, <laughs> entertainment. And I started putting out my own like videos and started directing because I ran into Marlon Wayans and he said uh, at a restaurant and he was like, yo, if they don't want to give you the roles, because I wasn't getting roles. So he was like, if you weren't, if they don't want to give you the role, you create it. And I was like, yo, that's dope. And so I was just like, all right, I'll create it. And so I started writing more. But even as I was going through many different things, I would write and come up with ideas. Right. Uh, And then that relationship didn't work, ended up breaking up, divorced, all that stuff like that. And then I went through like because there was so much depression during that time period. (laughs) You know what I mean? From like you're talking about from 90, I'm going to say like 98 to about 2005 was a dark area. (laughs) You know what I mean? Of just like. Who's who am I? I need to find myself. I need to find who I am. You know, I need to start over. You know what were I mean? You, were you were you using drugs and doing self harming things? No, my main thing was to deal with it was alcohol. You know, I used to drink a lot. You know what I mean? That was a way of dealing with it. You know what I mean? And then what was your drink? And also too, uh, drinking was like I mean like dark like Hennessy and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like those type of drinks. You know. And then the other thing would be, um, you know, because now marijuana is like, you know, <laughs> it's free, but that was the only thing. Because I remember when I did an interview for People Magazine, they were like, oh, he was like addicted. It was like, well, no, it was marijuana and drinking, but those things are still addictive as well. So, uh, but it wasn't, it was more of uh, dealing with the process through that, through substance abuse, right? Um, and so I was doing that. And I remember I had, I was in Canada and about to commit suicide, you know, having suicidal thoughts within Canada of just like, just kind of everything where it was just like this. I felt like, you know, when you're- How close did you get? How close did I get to the balcony? Like over it? Like over it. I was at the uh, Sutton Hotel and I was over it at the balcony and I was about to jump. And what's deep about this is that what's crazy is that I hadn't seen Keenan in a while. He was doing Snakes on the Plane and was staying in the same hotel. Uh, Amanda Bynes was doing, uh, what's the name of that movie? Uh, something where she, she was playing a guy in the, in, the, in the movie. And she was in the same hotel. And But any all the stuff that was going on, I was focused on more of my situation and the negativity of my situation and the things I had been dealing with. And I was just like, yo, this this is the this end game would be the, the thing to do. And the thing about it is, is that when you're in such a deep depression at that point within your life, you know, um, and dealing with 
um, you know, situations that are toxic and dealing with you don't see a way out, you kind of feel suffocated, you can make the wrong decision in that moment. And those negative thoughts that you are having can be, you know, oh, I can end it. And, you know, with me being a believer, there's definitely spiritual warfare. So there's the enemy that's warring for you and there's, you know, the God that's warring for you too and that designs you and wants you to have love. But in that moment, it was these negative thoughts that were going and the enemy, the devil's in the details of negative thoughts. And that's what I tell people. It's like the negative thoughts, the devil's in the details of that. He's going to say, take it even more where you're talking bad of yourself. That's why you can see people when they go, yeah, I'm good. But in the inside, they could be really be hurting. You know what I mean? And so within that, uh, I'm so happy I decided to live. And that's what I'm so happy about that I decided to do that, even though I was going through it. Yeah. What walked you back? What walked you back from the ledge? Okay, so and this is my in my story, in my situation, it was God, man. Really, what I heard, because at first I'm thinking, like, well, I'm drinking. And I'm also high. So I was just like in this moment and I'm going, oh, something's talking to me, telling me, hey, you know what I mean? Don't do this. You know what I mean? And within that moment, before that moment, it was do this. Yeah. Keep walking. Keep walking. Do this. So there was a warring going on. Now, here's what I tell you was beautiful about church. And here's what's beautiful about being in a praying family and all these things, because when I was younger, I knew about that war because I used to sing in the choir, used to be in church. And I had a vision when I was a kid that I saw the devil and I saw God. And I've always known like there's been this warring going on and I've seen people pray, seen people pray in the Holy Spirit. And so it wasn't odd to me in that moment when I heard a voice say, hey, Kel, go lock yourself in this room, in the bathroom, in this room that you're in. And don't come out until the morning. Stay in there. And I went in there and I did that. And I'm just bawling. I'm crying. I'm in there. You know what I mean? And then I go to work the next morning as if ain't nothing happened. No one knows nothing. You know what I mean? I'm shooting like Mike too. And I'm I'm there. And I'm just, you know, and I'm in Canada. Uh, and what was beautiful um, about this was that that was the start of my faithful journey. You know what I mean? To really finding my spiritual self, you know, within that, because there were some things where it's like, okay, when you get back, you're going to have to let go of some things and you got to let go of some people, you know, and that's going to be hard to do, but you're going to have to do it. And I'm going to be, but I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And at that moment, it wasn't like, okay, I'm a preacher. No, you were talking about, you're talking about 2005. So this took a very long, you know, a long journey. But within that moment, um, I decided to start everything over. You know, I got divorced. I stopped hanging around certain people. And I started to, uh, you know, really start this journey of finding myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah. it's been about 18 years since then. 18 years. No, it's, uh, yeah. If you're talking about 2005. Yeah. 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 Since, yeah. Since, 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 since that attempt and you turning a new page and you getting more deep into the Christian. So, and your career has thrived in that period. But can you talk about mm. how Christianity has changed your career? I know there's certain things that you won't do. Are there certain things that has propelled you forward via the Christianity? Like it, it you know, it changes you in, in yeah. good and, and, and difficult ways. 
Well, here's the thing. If you're talking about, because that was just one instance in 2005, there's many others after those years, because now you're talking about going all the way up to 23. You uh, mean like when you can you continued to struggle with oh, wanting yeah. to be here? No, not wanting to be here. Wanting to live, but then also too, now it was um, really starting to say, okay, I need to find who my spiritual self and be closer to God. And so within doing that, I still was, you know, going out, hanging out, um, you know, not really focusing on God and getting into prayer. And I went into other relationships, you know, uh, after that, that didn't work out. Do you know what I mean? That also ended up being the wrong type of relationships. And I was looking for love. Like, honestly, I was. Yeah. And in this period, you're continuing to drink and that is continuing to be a problem. Well, no, it was like at this point, yeah, at this point, the drinking was not a thing of because I was away from that toxic situation. So it was like I didn't have to. But yes, I was still drinking. I was still hanging out, partying, all these different things uh, and getting into different relationships and looking for love in different relationships. And then now um, when it didn't work out with the other relationships as well, I started to go, hey, Kel, you might want to be alone for a while. You might just want to be alone and kind of work on yourself, bro, and just work on yourself. And when I did that, it was awesome because it was like, all right, I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to really find myself. And I remember it was this apartment that I had that was called like the cave because I was like at this point, I was like living check to check. You know what I mean? And it was like the cave. And I had like put a gang of Bible verses all around um, the actual apartment. And I had met a, an evangelist that would literally pray with me, um, every day. Um, I would come back from the club and she'd still be praying with me and prayed a lot of stuff off of me. Um, before I met this evangelist though, there was another evangelist that I met, um, that took stuff off of me and, uh, which was really deep. Cause she said that there was, a. You know, in one of my prior relationships, my ex had, you know, was into voodoo and into uh, Santeria and all that stuff like that and had prayed some stuff on me. And so within that moment, um, we were pleading the blood of Jesus and praying and getting it off of me. And it was, was, was really deep is that it was so freeing because within that moment, I'm throwing up and they're coming out. They're saying their names, you know, these demonic demons, they're coming out. And I remember my face was clear as day afterwards. Like I'm talking clear. And I was like, oh my God, yo. And my face was clear. And then, and yeah. Wait, yeah. tell me a little bit more about the demons that are coming out of you and saying yeah. their names and these two. Like what, what, what was that? Okay. So, um, you know, this could be deep for, <laughs> for you, but. Bring it, it's, bring it's it. Like, yeah. But it's like, it's spiritual, it's spiritual warfare. So basically like. We're praying to God. You know that. We're, you know, as believers, we're praying to God as believers. But then there are also people that pray in another way. You know what I mean? And so we have to understand that we're spirits. This right here is just, this is a, this is an earth suit. You know what I mean? We're, we're spirit. You know what I mean? And that's what we're about. And that's why I'm very transparent about it. Because when people go, my journey, how do you keep a smile on your face? How did you get through depression? How do you get through all these different things? And it's because of the work of the Lord and me connecting with God. And so within that moment, when I'm saying blood of Jesus, every me bows to the name of Jesus in that moment. And so with this demonicness that was going on, the thing about it is that you have to pray 
things off. You have to pray and keep your family safe. You have to pray to keep yourself safe. And the thing about it is, is that when you're laying down with someone and you're having sex with someone, you know, when they say you have uh, sex with everyone they had sex with, you know what I mean? So you're, you're intertwining that spirit. Okay. So you can break up with someone and then that person calls and you're like, "Ah, you still upset. Or if someone can talk about that person and you might, it might affect you, you know, if you've been through breakups. Right. And so, but the thing about it is that you can break up with someone because I tell people this all the time, you can break up with someone, but if you had sex with that person and you lay down with that person, you need to break up with them in the spirit too. So you need to, and what happened was, is that in that moment as well, she said, say the person's name out loud. And then also I want you to say, take my spirit out of their spirit and take such and such spirit out of me. Right. And you have to say that. Right. And because our words have power. And so within doing that, I felt this this freedom and I did it over everybody that, you know, I had sex with. I did that, too. <laughs> you know, I started saying all, all the names. Um, and that's why you have a lot of people that kind of, you know, really change with whoever they're being been with or they're dating or whatever. It's it's really soul ties. And you got to break those soul ties. You got to break generational curses. You got to do that. And you got to know how to do it with praying and saying the right things. And so. That was a journey that I had to to learn uh, within that moment. I learned that. And they were coming out. They were saying their names. As they were doing this, you got to imagine, I'm literally seeing myself crawling on the floor. And there's some other celebrities that are there, too, and friends that of mine that were there. My friend's, uh, um, his mom was an evangelist, and that's how this happened. She was wanted to pray for all of us. And we were all thrown up, and, you know, and all of them came out, and that happened. Now, at that moment, it wasn't like I was this... A uh, righteous guy after that. Then it was like learning within the journey. And it's like getting back connected to God, you know, and getting back. And then I remember I was doing a film with uh, Saturday the Entertainer that I wrote. Uh, and in this time that I wrote this film, I didn't have a car. It was like, you know, I was living check to check. I needed this, you know what I mean, kind of thing. And I remember uh, meeting him at a different, you know, like a place close to my place where I was at. And he said he wanted to direct it. And I was like, hey, awesome. And then we got someone to produce it. And in that time, I met a woman on the set and she said, hey, you know, uh, I have a spiritual mother that is an evangelist and I wanted to pray for you because she knows the things that, you know, you've been talking about going through. I was like, okay, cool. And I met Ruth Brown. Uh, Ruth Brown is awesome. Awesome. And she uh, prayed a lot off of me, you know, still, because even after that, you know, I was still dating and all these different things. And she's like, Kel, you need to Focus on you and get closer to God. And when that happened, stuff came off again, even on the phone talking to her because she lived in Oakland. Um, And in that time, that's when I just decided to go, okay, I'm going to remain celibate. And I'm also going to uh, get closer to God and really, you know, start this thing on my journey. uh, Just like not saying I was going to be a preacher at that moment. No, not at all. This was me just really saying, hey, spiritually connected to God. And living a different lifestyle. And uh, a lot of that is the start of my book, Bless Mode, that I had written. Because a lot of people talk about Bless Mode, but in years later, I decided to write Bless Mode years later, because that around that time, I learned how to command your morning. And commanding your morning means you got to renew your mind daily. So meaning that you get up in the morning and you take whatever anxiety, whatever stress to God, and you get the plans from him. 
because he's the one that designed us. He's the one that created us. He's all knowing. He's timeless. So if he's all knowing and he's timeless and he knows our future and knows the plans for us, why wouldn't you connect with him every day? So that's what I do. I connect with God every day, you know, and getting on my day. And so it took time for me to learn that, but she helped me through that process. And there's, these are the things that I did to get away from stress and depression. So a lot of times when people are, you know, going through what they're going through, it can be a demonic connection. You know what I mean? And they need some prayer. They need some love. They need to know who they are on the inside, you know? And that's why it's so important as us, as being ambassadors for Christ and telling our stories and telling our testimonies to help others and speak. Don't shut up. Really speak to help others because you never know what type of frustration someone might be going through. You, know? you talked about, that was amazing. You talked about going celibate, which addressed one of the major toxic things that you said kept coming into your story. Mm-hmm. When did you say, okay, I'm going to stop drinking? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That was at the same time. <laughs> at okay. the same time. Okay. So uh, what happened was, was that when I was uh, at that apartment and she was like, okay, you need to be, you need to get celibate. He said, I'm like, okay. Cause she told me about the demonicness of sex. And I was just like, Oh yeah. And so I was like, okay, Ruth. Okay. All right. I got the, the, it. The demonicness as far as when you connect with somebody in that way, you are connecting with everybody they've ever been with. And so any energy might come into you. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Gen- yeah, exactly. And generational curses that they may have things that are in their family that they haven't dealt with, whatever it may be. And that's why, you have to do it under God when you get married. It's when you get married. That's why, you know, they say like, stay celibate, get married and do it under God. Because when you do it and God is in the middle of that, then that's what's so beautiful about it. You know what I mean? And so um, I had to look at that and go how beautiful that is to say, hey, I'm going to wait until marriage. And for me, that was deep. You know what I mean? Because I said, I'm going to wait until marriage. Uh, but I, I totally did that. And I waited throughout the process. And um, even, and also too, like habits, like drinking, I gave that up and I had a friend within that. Cause you know, um, what was starting to happen was, was that it wasn't the drinking that was the thing. It was the habits and the frustration of the situations that I was dealing with. Cause the thing about it is, is that people use the vices to say, Oh, you know, if you're drunk, you're not thinking about it. But then once you're done with that, then you're back. You know what I mean? And you need yeah. to deal with the issue that is at hand, the I things mean, that you're going through. Yeah. There's the problem yeah. in your life and you're mm-hmm. using drugs, alcohol, whatever, to, to get away from the problem. Mm-hmm. So the drugs and alcohol are not the main problem, even though the addiction is in and of itself a problem. But yeah. because you're using those things, you are barring or blocking yourself from solving the real issue, right? So it continues yeah. to be a problem because you're not giving yourself space to say, I have to confront this. Yeah. And the, uh, the alone time, a lot of people deal with, cause it, you know, you need to pray, you need to meditate and you need to be alone and really deal with it, you know, because a lot of, and then talk to people about it. You know what I mean? Express yourself. You know what I mean? Get around people that can help you. Meaning that get around people that you see live a righteous lifestyle, that you see can help you, that are spiritually connected. Because the thing about it is, is that the isolation is sometimes very hard for people to say like, okay, you know, I'm going to stay isolated, but I still got this problem. 
And that can become like jail for people. You know what I mean? It can really become like jail. And so the thing about it is that once you deal with the actual problem, the stress or whatever it is that it is, and don't go to any vices, it's just like even with, for some people, sex is a vice. You know what I mean? And the thing about it is that in relationships, I had a relationship like that where I dated a girl, we took sex out of it. And then right after we took sex out of it, we broke up. You know what I mean? And so, and that was the thing. And this was, and that was one of the girls I was dating around that time when I said, oh, I'm going to become celibate because she was there when all this stuff happened. And she became, she was like, okay, let's do the celibate thing. I'm going to rock with you. But then we ended up breaking up because we found out that it was the sex that was the thing that was the thing that was connecting us. So wait, can you see ways that your commitment to Christianity Mm -hmm. and your commitment to cleaning up your life yeah. has changed you on screen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the thing about it is, is that, A, I had to, everybody's journey is their journey. So I always, I want to say that first, because I never want someone to feel, because someone might be dealing with depression right now, dealing with stress right now, whatever they may be dealing with, but I'm a testimony to let people know that you can get through it. And this is how I did it. You know what I mean? And so it could be the way that you do it too, but I want to show you that it's possible because every um, suicidal thought or every habit doesn't end in a good way. You know what I mean? But if you stop in to see this interview or you see this testimony and you see this, you can go, man, okay. In that moment, it can be a conversation for you. And so for me, the journey is the thing where it's like, it made me the man I am today where I was able to, I understood God's power. And here's the thing, the reason I say that is because I tell people all the time, like, give it a try. Give God's power a try. Give it a try. If you say like, oh, well, you know, this holy thing, I don't know, praying and I don't know, we'll give it a try. And then through my actions, you can see how it works for me. You give it a try. And within me doing that, giving it a try. Like for real, for real. And then even people that grew up in the church, because just because you grew up in a church doesn't mean that you have that really strong connection. You have to come to faith, really come to faith and have that connection and make him everything in your life. And so for me, it made me the man that I am today. Like my journey and everything that I went through and the breakthroughs and the things that I went through made me who I am today. And within my uh, struggles, you know, uh, and through my stress, what was deep about this is that finding the joy in it also created moments of, hey, let me go speak to these kids over at the juvie home. Um, let me go speak to these, you know, this youth group, right? And I'm doing this. And at the time I'm going, well, man, I need somebody to speak to me. But God said, hey, no, I want you to go do this. So as I was doing this within this moment, I was a blessing to them. And they were a blessing to me with sharing their stories. And the thing about it is, is when you're transparent, and you're being real, just like when we were talking about stand-up being real, while also being real within your journey and letting people know what you really went through and how you broke through it, you can really help somebody. You don't know who you're helping, you know what I mean, along the way. And so when I got like on television, I'm still like acting, jobs are here and there, but I'm creating beautiful things because now I'm looking through the eyes of God. So now I'm creating things now where it's like, okay, um, let me create something within the community. You know what I mean? Uh, Me being celibate and me telling other people and me doing these things and working on myself. And then I met my beautiful wife through the process. 
who I'm with now. You know, I, I met her through the process, which is so, so awesome. And uh, she wasn't, she didn't grow up in the church. You know, uh, she gave her life to Christ when she started dating me. Um, right. And we've been strong ever since. And the beautiful thing about it is, is that our prayer life was strong. We started it off strong. And it was the first person that I've, I've dated where like, you know, sex, she's very beautiful, very attractive. And sex wasn't involved because we made the check. We made the decision to say, okay, let's not have sex until we get married. You know what I mean? But what was beautiful about that, bro, was that I was able to really study my future wife and really love her in a way of understanding her, her heart completely. You know what I mean? And really, you know, doing that chivalry, you know what I mean? Like after the date and then, you know, kissing the hand and saying, you know what I mean? Like all those beautiful things. Uh, and we started off as friends and now we're still best friends as being married as husband and wife, which is so beautiful. You, you're yeah. able to form a foundation for the relationship without the distraction of sex. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And with within that, man, it was just it is so beautiful. And then to pray together and to. Um, when we got married, it was such a beautiful ceremony um, because of our story and telling our stories. And, you know, because she had been in relationships too, different relationships, you know, before she met me. And us both deciding to do this at this time uh, was such a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? And, our, our, and we're, it's strong spiritually. You know what I mean? And, and that's what's beautiful too. So we can keep ourselves covered and keep our family covered. And then answer your question about entertainment, um, within entertainment. Now, when I go on sets, bro, and I go, like, I remember I was on, um, uh, you know, a show with actors that I knew from growing up, you know, and, uh, one of the actresses told me, Kel, you know, I know you something different, yo, like what's going on, Kel, something different. And it shocked me because I'm like, yo, yeah, I was like, yeah. And then I was like, I don't know. I'm just enjoying myself. And then she looked down under the table because we were in a scene in a, in a table and she saw my Bible and she was like, oh, that's what it is. OK, I get it. <laughs> I was like, I get it. I get it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. You know what I mean? That's awesome. And it's not like I have to go on set and be like, hey, Jesus, you need to get, follow God. You know, it's more of praying within, you know, praying everyone through the team effort of everything. And for me, I'm, it's no competition of anything, you know, I dealt with a lot of competition and I didn't like rejection. That was like my thing. And the enemy knew that. So of course, put him in situations and relationships where there's rejection, put him in relationships and craziness where there's like competition and all these different things in situations and jobs. And it's a, it, it makes him, you know, can't deal with it. But now that weight is off my shoulder. And there's a thing of like, I'm doing this for a higher cause, meaning that I want you to see the God in me. I want everybody to have joy. I want everybody to have peace on this set. And let's go into it and let's rock it. You know, and, and what's not for me is, you know, there's another door that opens, you know, and because when you dealt within this business, it's hard because it's like, who can I trust? You know, do you know me? Are you hanging out with me or are you just hanging with me because of my character? But now what's beautiful is that, you know, the real me anyway going into it. So as we're doing the character and they say cut and you talk to me for 15 minutes, you're going to see my heart within this. And I don't sugarcoat about Jesus because I know what he did in my life. So I have to let people know 
And even with writing the book Bless Mode, that was important to me. Uh, you know, my PR is on here. They can vouch for me. Um, there was a reporter that committed suicide. And um, as we were about to do interviews, one of the reporters, that was her friend, the reporter that was being about to interview us. And she was like, I just, I said no to everybody. But Bless Mode, when I saw the book and I started reading it, it was the only thing that brought me out of the pain that I was in, not knowing why my friend did this, right? And so I was just, I'm in tears at that moment. She's in tears. And we're talking within that moment because I know how the enemy was talking to me, like, don't write the book, you know, don't put this out, don't put this out. And I was just like, no, I want to start off with a devotional because a lot of people, we live a busy lifestyle. We need to pray. We need to, you know, hear stories of triumph and breakthrough and that you can get through things. You know what I mean? Uh, with having faith in God and knowing that and knowing you can be all right and smiling through it. And it's okay to not be okay, but you have joy while you're going through it, you know? And so um, just finding that peace and with me doing that and seeing that, I'm like, yo, if I didn't do this book. You know what I mean? That's like, that was, it spoke to me within that moment. It's like, so I always tell people, if God gave you an idea, gave you something to do, don't give up on it. Actually do it. Especially do it. You know what I mean? Like, if, if it's a, something that you're praying on that you want to get through in your life, serve within that moment. Serve. Do what God is telling you to do because it's those windows of grace, man. It's those windows of grace. It's not saying that the window's not going to open up again, but when he says to do it, do it. Go after it because it might take you longer to get to that peace that you want, you know? Yeah. That was, um, it was really beautiful. And it's really amazing how you have really faced head on some of the things in your life that were really plaguing you and um, really found peace. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I feel like I would be doing people a disservice if I didn't um, let people know that, you know what I mean? Like let people know. And, and being in this, being in this business, um, I see, I see the setup that God did, which is like super awesome. Whereas like he said, Hey, this was part of your journey. You know what I mean? And so now I want you to minister through this process. And cause you know, I, when people were like, you should uh, be a preacher. I'm like, no, uh-uh. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. When you will say no, because I'm wondering, do you see the future for, for your for you as mm -hmm. I continue acting and get deeper into my Christianity and my prayer? Or eventually I leave acting and become a preacher? Yeah, man. Well, what my journey is, because I am a preacher, uh, you know, I was But I mean like you know, like your own your own church, like I'm like the, the whole uh, I'm the youth pastor at Spirit Food Christian Center. And okay. uh, yes, I'm at Spirit Food Christian Center. Uh, our pastor there is uh, Pastor Gary Ziegler. And so, uh, yeah, I am actually a preacher. And the funny thing about it, is, well, the crazy thing about it is that when people started to figure it out, it was a thing of like, oh, is he going to be doing Good Burger Weddings and all this stuff? They thought it was just like, oh, he's just, you know, he's just doing this to do it. No, 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 no. No, no, no. This is real. And it's like I served within the church for years at my church at Spirit Food. You know, I was just there to serve whatever just needed to be done. I wanted to help pastor and help that. And then never would have thought being a preacher within that at all. <laughs> now, even though I had it spoken over me by people, I still was like, nah, 
And then there was a time when I was praying, I was meditating, and God spoke to me so clearly. It's like he spoke to me on that balcony. He spoke to me clearly and said, I want you to preach. And he said, within that moment, he said, but I also want you to stay in the entertainment business. And I said, well, yo, how am I going to do that, God? And see, prayer is a conversation with God. I tell people that all the time. You don't have to feel like you just got to pray in church and just pray. Like, it's a daily conversation. You're daily connected to him through spirit. So you can talk to him daily. And so I kept talking to him about this. Like, how am I going to do this? I don't know no other actor that's a preacher. I don't know anybody that can do that. And at this time, now I had a regular job. So I was just like, how am I going to do that in between? He's like, you can do it. And I started to do it. And I would never tell anyone that it's easy, but God gives me the grace to be able to do it. Um, and I'm, I'm doing it. I remember um, when I was doing Dancing with the Stars, one, one of my students that I preached to, to the teens that I preached to, at her school, there was a shooting. And within that, I'm dancing on Dancing with the Stars and the phone rings. And I told Whitney, I got to take it. And that was the first lady at the church saying, hey, you need to call the family, pray with the family, call her, talk to her. It's a daily thing of this connection of you have this family that's praying for you within the church and people are praying. And so it's a daily thing for me. This is not like a, a side hustle, you know, the, the preaching and being God, the being part of God and him uh, helping others be free. That's beautiful to me. And, and even through entertainment, you know, laughter is medicine when you think about it, right? Like laughter is medicine. Uh, Chris Rock talked about that in one of his interviews where he was saying like being a minister is really close to being within stand up because it's like you have to, make people feel joy within something that they've hurting, you know, and a lot of comedians are going through a lot of hurt. When I was going through stand up, bro, before I was a pastor, when I was doing stand up, I was ending up preaching, praying for the uh, other comedians in the green room. You know what I mean? And it was like, what was deep about it is that we were were telling jokes, but then we were also talking about the things that we were dealing with, you know, through our process. And, we could go laugh about it, finding the joy within it. And that's really what it is within life. There's trouble in this world, but you have to find the joy within this and through the process of it. Like the trouble's not going to go away, but you can have joy while you're going through it to notice you're covered by God and covered within prayer and people that love you that are praying you through. And a lot of people don't know that. And I love to spread love and letting people know that they are loved and beautifully, wonderfully made by God. Man. Yeah. Thank you so much for a great interview and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. and Maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Brown. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back next Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. Mm-hmm.